0: crew members and either welcome or welcome back to at least there's a dog a star trek enterprise review podcast in which we will boldly go episode by episode through the star trek series that whatever its flaws undeniably has the most dog we are your hosts mandy and josh and on tonight's show we will be discussing season two episode 13 dawn or as the japanese title calls it hot dawn
1: yep (laughs) (laughs) I I really do think we should start introducing everything with the the Google translated Japanese titles. That seems reasonable. Like, this one, you know, it's not such an exciting
0: title. No, it it makes it a little more like cheesy action movie sounding, Hot Dawn.
1: But there were some really good ones earlier. There were. I don't remember what any of them were, but...
0: There was one that was like really poetic that I remember. It was like on the night that Sputnik flew.
1: Yeah, that was uh, Carbon Creek. Yeah. What was the one uh, that was uh, A Night in sick bay? It was like... Light
0: a... light of Small Life. Yeah. That was very cute.
1: Anyway, we're supposed to be talking about this episode, I think. We're
0: kind of bad at that a lot of the time on this podcast, but talking about that's... the episode that we're supposed to talk about. But
1: I think that's what makes it good. Is it? I don't know. You know... You don't even
0: listen to the podcast.
1: <laughs> Sometimes I do. But... <laughs>
0: um,
1: but you know what matters, the listeners. If they wanna let us know what they think about our tangents, uh, they they know the email address by now.
0: That's true, they do.
1: Okay, so yeah, this episode, it was... I kinda dug this one. It was, I think, above average. Yeah. Like, it was nothing new, but it was well done.
0: Seems to me that uh, when you stick Tucker in a desert and have the sun beat down on him, good things tend to result. <laughs> This has happened two out of two times that they've tried it. Well. Which I think is enough to constitute a pattern. All right, then. <laughs> um, I think, in part, I like this one so much because I was not expecting to like it.
1: That's fair. So it was something unexpected.
0: Ye- y- yes, dear. It was something unexpected.
1: <laughs> Yay.
0: <laughs> Nobody got pregnant during this episode.
1: No. Although... Trip seems to... He was, was looking back at it. He seems, seems to
0: look back fondly on the experience. Yeah. That did happen in this episode, was we got like the summary of Tucker's career up to this point.
1: The summary of Tucker's career up to this point sounded a lot like the speech at the end of Blade Runner. A little bit. You know, sea ships on fire off Orion's belt and all that.
0: I didn't remember that part in
1: Blade Runner. <laughs> How can you not remember that part in Blade Runner? That's the most memorable thing in Blade Runner. No, no, it's not. We will disagree on this. The most memorable
0: thing in Blade Runner is... Honestly, I don't think Blade Runner's that good or memorable.
1: Come on, it's that speech at the end by the replicant who's like... Just like talking about the things he's seen through his life?
0: Yeah, I guess it's fine. I don't know. That's one of those movies that everybody else seems to love that I don't really get. Okay. I've read the book that it's based on, and the book is really good, but... I should read that book. You
1: should. We'll be talking about books later.
0: We will be talking about books later. Or you'll be talking about yeah. books later, mostly.
1: <laughs> anyway, do we want to, I don't know, give the Tell the audience
0: on? what the episode's about? Sure. sure. So this was Dawn, or possibly Hot Dawn kind of the same deal um except the hot dawn is a little bit more spoilery anyway commander tucker's let me start that again commander tucker's specialty is quickly becoming getting stuck on very hot celestial bodies in varying states of undress with aliens who don't speak his language and understandably want to punch him (laughs) we open on tucker testing the autopilot in what i assume is shuttle pod 2 because this episode doesn't suck you see when he is suddenly fired upon by a mysterious and hostile vessel that looks a lot like his. Both are forced to crash land on the dark side of a local moon, and so begins a beautiful friendship based on mutual inability to communicate in ways other than stabbing each other repeatedly in the back. But meanwhile, back on Enterprise, Archer, Paul and company learn that Tucker and his new buddy, whose name is Zokan are facing an additional complication. This moon, while perfectly hospitable at night, turns into Phoenix, Arizona during a summer heat wave when the sun rises. Thus, hot dawn, you see. Will they get their crewman and his new friend off the moon before it's too late? Will Tucker and Zocon overcome all their differences and become true friends? Did they honest to God make Anthony Montgomery show up to work just so he could say, yes, sir? The star oh, you're
1: just bitter because I got it right.
0: I am, yes, but still. <laughs> the star of the show, Porthos, apparently doesn't come when Trip calls him, which sounds like Trip's problem to me. Hmm. Yeah. Because he's very good about doing whatever Archer tells him to do. Yeah? So I assume the problem here is Trip. Yeah, definitely. Especially since Trip is bad at communicating. He actually did all
1: right this episode.
0: Did he? I think
1: eventually. He started
0: doing okay after a while when their linguistic differences started to disappear, but... uh,
1: Yeah, it's a matter of respect or something.
0: Come on, Tucker. You learned like two, three episodes ago that the way to communicate when you don't have the universal translator with you is to play charades. Mm Mm-hmm. He didn't start playing charades till pretty late in the episode.
1: Uh, Now,
0: to be fair to him, there aren't a whole lot of charades options for transceiver or
1: induction coil
0: induction coil he was a little bit screwed in that regard but you know you can there's a pretty universal gesture for water
1: Mm Mm-hmm. yeah i was wondering why he wasn't doing that earlier but then again they the, the other the arconians don't drink water
0: but they do drink they do drink and if he had made you know the drinking motion he would have at least understood that
1: yeah all right uh, so how about if I tell you a little bit of trivia? Sounds good. Which is completely unfocused because I... You went on quite the
0: trivia hunt after this episode. So,
1: okay. When I saw the title Dawn, I had in my head... And like the very brief summary. I had in my head the idea that, oh, Trip is going to be stuck on a planet and is going to have to race uh, across the planet to stay ahead of the sunrise. So... Uh, In astronomical terms... That might have
0: been smart if they decided to do that, but I guess it worked
1: out okay. It depends how fast the planet... or Well, it's a moon. It depends how fast the moon rotates relative to the sun, and it depends on how large it is um, and how good they are at moving. Um, The uh, astronomical term for the line where the sun rises is the Terminator, which is (laughs) an appropriate term if the sunrise will kill you. Now... I, I firmly believe that at some point in my life, I read a story about a couple of people stranded on a small planet or moon um, in one of these situations where when the sun rose, it would be uh, like not survivable. And it was a low gravity planet. And so they're basically bounding across the planet uh, using the low gravity to kind of like go quickly. Um, to stay ahead of the Terminator line until they are rescued. I did some internet searching. I cannot find what this story was. And that bothers me a lot. Um, however, there are a lot of similar stories. Uh, the Chronicles of Riddick is one of them. Uh, there is a prison on a planet of similar situation. Um, the prison itself is underground, so is safe. However, um, the planet is either burning hot will vaporize you instantly or freezing cold will freeze you to death.
0: So it's an anti-escape mechanism.
1: Yes. So there's about a 20 minute window in which people can safely go in or out of this prison. Mm. Um, so it's meant to be like that. And uh, it. I don't think they actually had a, a big running away, like chasing the dawn or running from the dawn sequence. But uh, there were definitely people who got vaporized by the the sunlight. Um, also, there was an Isaac Asimov short story, um, part of the robot series called uh, Runaround, which when I saw the title, I'm like, "Ooh, that must be it. No, 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 it was a robot running around a pool of selenium, which, funny enough, that showed up. Selenium isotopes were the reason they couldn't beam out. Everything is connected. Um, I think coincidentally. Mm. Uh, but yeah, that one took place on Mercury and had a similar sort of, we need, we, we can't survive out in the sunlight situation going okay. on. Um, and there have been in sci-fi lots of stories about uh, life on Mercury, um, like having a city that is on rails and mm-hmm. will move so that it always stays at, at the Terminator line. So it's not too hot or too cold. Okay. Um, yeah, uh, Mercury is pretty cool. Yeah, and uh, there was a period of time when it was thought that Mercury was tidally locked with the sun.
0: I thought it was tidally locked with the sun. Nope. No.
1: Oh. It. I mean, it's it's got it's got I think a three to two ratio. So every part of Mercury will be uh, exposed to the sun at some point during the year.
0: Okay, but some will be more exposed than others.
1: Nope. Nope. It's just, it's like, uh, what does a three to two ratio mean? I think maybe like it has like either one day or three days per year.
0: Oh, right. Cause it has a super slow, uh, rotation. It, it's rotating
1: okay. pretty close to the, to the speed that it's going around. Doesn't the
0: Venus also have like a longer day than it has a year? I feel like I read that at some point. I think
1: it does. Yeah. Anyway. Um, yeah, this is something that's pretty cool and, used in fiction a lot. And this episode was not that, even though I thought it was going to be. And we were still related.
0: Mm Mm-hmm. Like... I noticed that that moon did not have a noticeable gravity difference. No, it did not. Between itself and any other planet, which, like, actually most of the planets they visit don't have any kind of noticeable gravity difference.
1: It's true. It's kind of funny how that... You know,
0: it's probably because that would cost a lot of money.
1: It would cost a lot of money. I mean,
0: it would be fairly easy to simulate just by coaching your actors a planet or moon with much higher gravity than Earth's, but it would be difficult to do one with lower gravity. Mm-hmm. You'd have to put everybody in a bouncy castle.
1: <laughs> Which sounds fun to me.
0: It does. You'd have to get a giant bouncy castle and call it a planet. That sounds like a fun episode.
1: Yeah. All right. Well, anyway, uh, there's, there's some trivia for you. Okay. Mostly... That Mostly I'm not bothered by Trek, not but... being able to remember something, but it's
0: it's science fiction. Mhm. Yeah, it is. Yeah. It's also like extreme heat and extreme cold are two things that you can do a lot with, especially mm-hmm. in a visual medium because there are so many reliable visual signs of both of these things and the discomfort that can be associated with them.
1: Mhm. And it's it's a real like problem in space.
0: It's why there are like, it's why there are a lot of horror movies that take place in really cold locations, like remote Colorado or the South Pole. Mm-hmm. And it's also why there are a lot of horror movies that take place in, like, on, like, the hottest day of the hottest month of the year.
1: You would know more than I would. But I'll trust you.
0: Yeah. I think I might have brought that up before on this podcast, but yeah. Yeah.
1: But in this It one...
0: became relevant again.
1: Mm-hmm. This wasn't even a horror episode. Like, I, I was actually.
0: No, it actually just reminded me a lot of Desert Crossing, which is a fine thing to be reminded of. But
1: <laughs> fair enough, fair enough.
0: <sighs> and it also reminded me a fair bit of Darmok.
1: Oh yes, no. This... And it
0: reminded me a fair bit of uh, Galileo Seven. And it reminded me a fair bit of The Enemy.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. No, this is. There, there. It's true. There have been a number of Star Trek episodes prior to this one that have been similar. Most notably, Darmok.
0: Yeah. Uh, this was not as good as Darmok.
1: That's hard to do. Darmok
0: is an excellent episode, though. Mm-hmm. That's the thing.
1: Yeah, it uh, it it had in some ways a similar premise to Darmok, but I think that they they did enough to keep it distinct.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Uh, most importantly, like
0: it became less and less of a Darmok ripoff as it went along, and it also got better as it went along. So, hmm. good job in that regard, folks.
1: Yeah, the I think the. The difference is, like, in Darmok, like, I think they they made some in, some very intentional decisions to avoid getting Darmok-like. So, in the end of the episode, when, you know, the best you get is, I'm glad I didn't kill you, Um, you know.
0: I mean, based on the relations they seem to have with this species, that was a pretty good... Uh,
1: yeah, but, like, it's not... That was a pretty
0: good endpoint for them.
1: But it's... It doesn't have the happy ending of now we can communicate uh you know tomba his arms wide
0: yeah I guess but they um, can communicate and it's easy because they have the universal translator
1: right but like they 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 showed this was difficult and they they made some progress but they it wasn't the nice clean ending of of Dharmak. no. Which was good. And it's good, probably not they...
0: the start of a beautiful friendship like Tucker and his princess a couple episodes ago. But...
1: Oh, I hope they keep in touch. <laughs> oh, I, I hope that they, they get to be like pen Sooner pals or later, or we are
0: going to come across an episode where we say this episode should have just been replaced with a sequel to Precious Carco. <laughs> that is going to happen. Oops. All right. Is it pluses and minuses time? <laughs> Let's do it. Sure. Okay uh nice job roxanne
1: yeah roxanne dawson directed it
0: this was a roxanne dawson episode it kind of, even though the movie that she directed a little while ago looks super duper cornball um it kind of makes me want to see it because she's a heck of a director she's got a lot of good instincts
1: Hmm, interesting like i thought it was well directed i don't know she
0: she's good with light that's one of the things that i keep noticing she's very good with light
1: they did a good job with light and shadow there Mostly, I'll talk about that more later. Uh, Mostly,
0: yeah, there was. I think I think we might be thinking of the same thing, but I guess we'll get to that.
1: Yeah, um, I like trips log entries.
0: Okay, what about them?
1: They, they were very trip. They were like these are not simply your log entries to cue in the viewer on what's going on. These are. This is trip being trip.
0: He is 100% the character that everybody on the show has the best handle on. Like I think Flox is the character they have the most fun with mm-hmm. sometimes because they also like to just torment Tucker. But he is the actual character with a personality that they have made the most consistent.
1: I wonder how much of that is the writing and how much of that is just him.
0: I think it is a combination of the two. Okay. I think they are creating a good positive feedback loop with each other with each other. Cool. Your turn. Uh, the episode got really good when the sun started rising. Like basically before everything that took place at night, I was kind of, eh, this is fine, but huh, I'm a little bit twiddling my thumbs.
1: I was actually, I don't know. I, I, I thought it was consistent throughout.
0: No, I thought it got much better once the sun came up. Okay. Because this is a weird thing for me to be saying, because normally I don't like it when this happens. It slowed way down when the sun started coming up it did and i thought that was the absolute correct thing to do because suddenly it became a character piece about these two characters and they weren't doing stupid stuff to each other anymore hmm. okay and when they stopped doing stupid stuff to each other it got a lot more compelling hmm. because i wasn't looking at the tv going "Geez, trip you dummy <laughs> And was doing a lot more of just, you know, I was invested in what happened to these people. And I know they're not going to kill Tucker, but I thought they genuinely might kill off his new alien buddy for a little bit.
1: Mhm. Yeah, that's fair. It wasn't clear. Okay. All right. Um, I liked a lot of the, the cat and mouse game. Like I did like that. They're too often you'll have, you know, action sequences that are either, you know, just difficult to tell what's going on or that are like um just you know phaser fire
0: tucker's little trap for the guy was genuinely clever
1: with the audio recording and luring him away yeah and and the on the other side that alien's uh little laser sensor Mm -hmm. set off an alarm yep was really great like they it was it was something that was enjoyable to watch and they're you know trying to outsmart each other and That makes for compelling TV. It
0: was very clear that despite the fact that he kind of looked and sounded like your standard Gorn alien hulking brute, he was actually very smart, possibly smarter than Tucker, which made them a good match.
1: But Tucker was better at fixing things because that's his character.
0: Well, he's not a pilot. He's an engineer. He said the other guy was a pilot.
1: Uh, He's an engineer. Fair enough,
0: yeah. If you wanted it to be an even match, send Travis Mayweather down to tangle with him, but they're not going to do that because Because that would require giving Mayweather lines. It would. (laughs) Your turn. Yeah, Mayweather's still a prop, fundamentally. Uh, I appreciated that Tucker got what he deserved at every single turn. (laughs) Yeah. So, Tucker spent a lot of this episode acting kind of dumb which is not 100% out of character for him. He does that sometimes. Mm -hmm. And for whatever reason, I find it less frustrating when he does it than when Archer does it. I think because Archer is supposed to be way more experienced than everybody else, and yet Archer is still really dumb. Mm -hmm. But come on, Tucker. Like, I guess it wasn't really stabbing him in the back, but shooting that guy in the face and tying him up and then expecting him to just like want to be buddy-buddy with you, that was really stupid. And then as it turned out... It was really stupid. Yeah. <laughs> and the dude he- ran headlong into his stomach as soon as he had the chance to. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So actions consistently led to consequences that made sense.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, I like the portrayal of the language barrier.
0: I have that as a neutral.
1: We don't have neutrals.
0: Well, too bad. I have it as a neutral. Pick a side. No. Okay. Why then. did you like it?
1: Because I felt like it was appropriately challenging. Like, this isn't, um, you know, a, a Hoshi situation where she's just going to figure everything out magically. Um, I felt like, and and even even Tucker, like there were things that were pretty obvious that Tucker didn't figure out. Mm-hmm. Like, um, when what was his name? Zarkon. Yeah. When Zarkon was like gesturing oh, towards it was Zocon. the. Oh, rem- Zarkon was Zocon? Yeah. When Zocon was gesturing at the rising sun and Trip didn't figure that out. Yeah. Like I like this. There there's there's some even they they are ha- because they're stuck in the moment, they're having more difficulty with this than the audience is. And I appreciate Yeah, that's fair. Yeah. Like they didn't make it unrealistically easy.
0: The thing that is frustrating to me, whenever we have a linguistic difficulties situation, which Enterprise has been exploring more than a lot of the other shows have, is that no one has any imagination when it comes to linguistic difficulties. So I appreciate what you just said about how, like, they were kind of scatterbrained because of the tough situation they were in. And this was actually harder for them than it was for the audience, which made sense. But I was also looking at Tucker like wildly gesturing towards the guy with one arm and being like, come here, come here. And I was like, you better hope that's not a really offensive gesture in his language. (laughs) Just once, I would love for the Enterprise or some Star Trek ship to uh, make first contact with a species whose greatest show of respect that they can give is for everybody to simultaneously line up against their window, drop their pants, and press their butts against the window.
1: You keep waiting for that.
0: I will keep waiting for it. It's not going to happen. No, it's but, not. But just like have some imagination here. <laughs> Come up with some different ways that they could have communication difficulties. And Tucker, learn from your previous mistakes.
1: What are you thinking of?
0: I'm thinking, you know, from communicating with uh, Padma Lakshmi a couple episodes ago, that the thing that eventually works for you is, you know, fairly universal gestures of doing something.
1: Mm-hmm. Oh, I see what you're saying.
0: He doesn't know what a transceiver is. No matter how many times you say the word transceiver, it's not going to make a difference. Hold up the thing. Show it to him. Mm-hmm. Okay. I did like that he thought Tripp's name was it. That was fun. I wish he had spent a little while longer thinking Tripp's name was Dammit.
1: Ah, yeah, it worked out.
0: Eh, yeah, whatever. Uh, the guest stars were great. Mm. I don't know which guest star was which. I assume that Brad Greenquist was the, uh, was the main dude, Zocon. But they may have just listed them in alphabetical order. It was Brad Greenquist and Greg Henry, and both of them were very good. Did a good job acting through the fairly thick prosthetic makeup. Um, The other guy was only on screen for a couple of scenes, but he managed to leave more of an impression than some guest stars who have been in the entire episode. Okay. So, nicely cast. It was good to see some solid guest stars again after a few episodes of pretty lackluster guest stars. (laughs) All
1: right. Uh, I'm out, actually. Uh, Me too. Oh, okay. Minuses? Minuses? Yeah. Shall I just say it? Yes. Find some shade. No
0: kidding. I mean, to be fair, it did not seem like there were a ton of trees on that planet.
1: No, but like you're on, like I know you want to be on top of a hill because you're going to be further away from the selenium isotopes or whatever is causing the the problem. I assumed
0: they wanted to be on top of the hill so that they could send out the beacon. That's what I'm, yeah, because the the
1: beacon has, the beacon had to be further away from the selenium isotopes. Uh Uh-huh. So top of the hill. Um, but a hill has two sides. You can be either on the side that's sunny or the side that's shady. <laughs> you chose poorly <laughs> and you didn't move.
0: Well, after they'd set it down, I don't think they were going anywhere. I don't oh, think come they could have
1: lifted that transceiver if they tried. Oh, but just like, you could also wait on the other side, leave the transceiver there and walk around to the other side of the hill.
0: Yeah. It just ah, uh, like as soon as they lock onto the signal on the transceiver, they're gonna know where you are. You don't actually have to talk to yeah, them. Yeah, you
1: can be thirty feet away from it, and it will be fine. Mm-hmm. I, it was, it was, yeah. Why don't? It, it's a very simple thing. Why don't you do it?
0: It's true. Speaking of very simple things, why don't you do them, Trip? What did you bring with you on this mission?
1: Oh, cause he did You didn't
0: bring a phaser. You didn't bring a translator. I mean... You brought one water bottle.
1: And I suspect the water bottle was just like in the shuttle pod to begin with. Yeah. I guess he wasn't expecting to go far. Like He expected it to just I mean, be no, a- but you
0: all know at this point that unexpected stupid stuff happens all the time. Don't you at least want to have an emergency kit with you?
1: Yeah. I mean, yeah. Like they had some emergency stuff in there, but not the... A couple... Th- Very important things. As you mentioned, the face pistol and the Like, from the looks of it, he didn't
0: even bring any first aid with him. No, he did. He did?
1: Yeah, he definitely did some first aid on himself when he first crash landed.
0: Oh, I missed that part. Okay.
1: He was, like, looking in a mirror and, like, putting an ointment on a cut.
0: No, okay. I missed that part. He looked like he was still in pretty bad shape once he got out, so. There's
1: only so much you can do.
0: That's true. In any case, there should be... I would recommend that the Enterprise adjust its protocols for some basic supplies you bring with you on away missions, mm-hmm. regardless of where you think you are going, because the pattern indicates that you are going to crash land somewhere highly inhospitable and you're going to wish you had these things with you.
1: I agree. That would be helpful. All right. To Paul, my friend. <laughs> Arconians are unpredictable.
0: They're clearly not. <laughs>
1: you know, you say that about every single species. They're clearly
0: extremely predictable. Humans are predictable.
1: unpredictable. Andorians <laughs> are unpredictable. Come on! you You seem to treat, like, predictability as the primary thing you look for in another species.
0: But also, these guys are extremely predictable. If they see you, they will shoot at you. Like, they, it was. <sighs> that seems to be their modus operandi.
1: Also, I don't think. Yeah, they're not actually unpredictable. They just don't do exactly what you want them to do.
0: That is not the same you... as unpredictable.
1: It's true, but you keep seeming to mix these two ideas up.
0: Like, you could very much say they are aggressive, and that seems like it would be accurate. Mm hmm. They are territorial, and that seems like it would be accurate. But they are definitely not unpredictable.
1: Yeah. That's. Uh...
0: Writers, you keep using that word. It does not mean what you think it means.
1: I mean, on the other hand, like, I think that it's intentional. Like, their idea is that the Vulcans don't understand that it means something different than they think it means. I'm not
0: giving them that much credit. Because if that were the intent, somebody would have pointed out to T'Pol by now that she calls everybody
1: unpredictable. Fair enough. Well, I'm doing it now.
0: Okay. When they let you on the show... (laughs) <laughs> Maybe I will believe that they're doing this intentionally.
1: You know, the show was canceled like shh, 15 years ago. It's okay. All right.
0: All right. Um, We already kind of covered this, but I have Tucker stop being an asshole written here.
1: Okay. Yeah. We already covered that.
0: Yeah. I don't think we need to go into it anymore. He did stop eventually. Yeah. But there was a period of time where I was just like, you're going to die and it's going to be your fault
1: hmm Anyway, I'm, I'm out of things. Oh, okay.
0: Well, I have one more, which is some weird little inconsistencies in the writing that kept adding up. Okay. The most notable one was when Tucker and Archer were having their conversation over the transceiver at the end, and Tucker didn't want them to beam him up, and Archer was like, we have to. We're not leaving you down there. We're going to get this other guy. We're going to get this guy's ship, and they're going to come rescue him, but we're not leaving you down there. And Tucker said, okay... And then they left him down there from the no, looks of no, it for a really no. long time.
1: No, they agreed. They, they, key he said, no, you're going to leave me down here. And Archer says, okay, fine, but we're not going to let you stay down there so long that you die.
0: That is not how I remember the conversation.
1: That's how I remember it. So like the implication was they, they would try to get the uh, ship to rescue them both. But if push came to shove, they were just going to beam him up.
0: Okay, well, I would prefer the conversation to have gone that way. That's just not how I remember it going. Uh, okay. Um, there was one other. Maybe it's in my notes. Um, or maybe
1: it's not. Then let's not worry about it.
0: Yeah, we don't need to worry about it. Again, it was not that big a deal. There were just a couple of little things where I was like, that doesn't quite match what you said 10 minutes ago.
1: Hmm, okay.
0: But again, on the whole, I thought the episode was pretty good, so I'm not going to pick on it too much. Yeah, no, I did too. Do you have any more?
1: I told you I don't.
0: Okay. I also (laughs) forget what people said five minutes ago sometimes. What
1: people said five minutes ago, what people said in the episode, (laughs) what... (laughs) Meh. Anything that I tell you ever...
0: That is not true. Stop picking on me. Hmm. (laughs) We have some uh, podcast regulars to give out. And I know you're very excited about one of them. Yeah, so. so
1: I got the I got the Mayweather report right. One line.
0: You sure did. Boom. They brought Anthony Montgomery in to say yes, sir, and to stare intently at the piloting display, and that is all he got to do because he's a prop.
1: Like when we when we came up with this system where we could guess zero, one, two, three, or or more than three lines, uh, I I thought you know this would work, and then episode after episode after episode it. I, it doesn't work. Like, he's either lots and lots of lines or no lines. I think this is the first one where he had actually just one line. This is the
0: first one where he's had one line. There have been a couple episodes where he's had exactly three lines, but this has been the first one this season with one line.
1: Mm-hmm. So maybe the system is okay.
0: Yeah, I think they're I think they're validating our system now. So the next episode appears to be a Tipal focused episode, though I'm excited about it based on the uh, Amazon thumbnail.
1: Mm-hmm. Because if, that if it sure does it,
0: look like a female Denobulin flirting with Tucker.
1: That's what I'm hoping. It could be um, fascinating.
0: So I'm going to take the fool's bet on this one. Uh-huh. And I'm going to go with two again. Because I think two is the single number of lines that Mayweather has not had in an episode yet. This I was season.
1: actually also thinking of two. We but could that, both go with two. That would be boring. <laughs> but it must be two. Two. Two all around. <laughs> All right. Come on, writers. We have faith
0: in you. We have faith in you. Variety is the spice of life. All right. And then we got... Then we got a Kirk Award to give out. To every show, we bestow the James Tiberius Kirk Award on the character who spends the episode keeping the Star Trek legacy alive by doing the best William Shatner impersonation. And there is a clear winner in this one. Oh, yeah. Kirk Punch! Yes. And you know who did the Kirk Punch? Not one of the humans hmm tucker had so many opportunities to do the kirk punch nope, and he never tucker, did
1: tucker does like normal human punch
0: tucker you should have been the shoe-in for the kirk award in this episode because it was a you focused episode and you were down there on the planet but nope you got beaten out by your new friend Zokon, who knows how to kirk punch
1: yep actually when when zocon did that i just shouted like
0: kirk punch we have a winner yep <laughs> i have i have that exact phrase written in my notes Except Punch has several U's in it.
1: Okay. <laughs> yep.
0: So congratulations, Zocon. You go on the list of Kirk Award winners that we will never see again. You never know. I'm pretty sure we're never going to yeah, see them again.
1: probably never going to see him. Again. Okay, okay.
0: All right. Is that a wrap?
1: That's a wrap.
0: All righty. In that case, as always, thank you for listening. If you are enjoying this, please tell all your friends and family to join the crew. If you're really enjoying this, please consider leaving us a rating, review, or, su- or signing up for a subscription on the podcast platform of your choice. If you would like to tell us how we have brightened your day, or give us some suggestions for the show, shoot us an email at dog at gmail.com. And if you are watching along with us, your next viewing assignment is the episode Stigma, which looks like it's going to be a very special episode. <laughs> I guess we will see. We will see. Take care of yourselves. And until next time, remember to go wherever your heart will take you.
1: Bye. Bye.